The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, November 8, 2018, and this is The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. My name is Bob. Hello. Hello, Bob. Coming up on today's show, the great T-Rex, David Ferguson from the T-Rex Report podcast is here today. Um... Trump fired Jeff Sessions. By the way, everything happened yesterday. There were like 12 news cycles just yesterday alone. The the big one, though, I think, beside the midterms, was Trump fired Jeff Sessions and, and hurled the entire Mueller investigation into potential turmoil. We're going to dig into that today with T-Rex. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg fell and broke three ribs. I am personally volunteering to carry Ruth Bader Ginsburg around in a little satchel on my back like uh, Luke Skywalker carried Yoda. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm, I'm available. I can do it. I can. I have the strength. I can put her right on my back and we could just run around and she could almost be like, we could be like a liberal master blaster in, in kind of a way. Uh, meanwhile, the White House posted an InfoWars video to justify booting Jim Acosta out of the White House because everything is awful. Oh, we also have updated midterm news, so we're going to dig into that in just a second. Meanwhile, let's talk Patreon. Each of our shows is downloaded by at least twenty to 25,000 people. Did you know that? Well, we currently have around 850 outstanding Patreon subscribers, who I love, who support this show, and in return, they all get uh, bonus content, including the ultimate edition of this show without commercials, with bonus conversation at the end, as well as the increasingly popular After Party podcast every Friday. But if everyone who downloads the show subscribe for just $1 a month, do the math. Not only would the show be fully financed out the wazoo, but you'd all gain access to one of the fastest growing communities of listeners, our exclusive Patreon club. So go right now to patreon.com slash show and subscribe, why don't you? All right, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Here to comment is liberal justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. (laughs) You, You are coming and swinging justice. No, I can't go on a swing. I'm too tiny. Last time I went on a swing, I ended up in space. (laughs) It's nice to have nine justices again, because for the last year, you know, we've been a hung jury. Except for Justice Alito. That guy legislates from the bench, but he measures from the balls. That's a Ginsburn. What? All right, Justice, well, you, you might not... <laughs> you might not have a full bench for long because Justice Kennedy says he's considering retiring. Are you worried about that? Oh, yeah, of course I am. Oh, I can't wait to see the goon Trump brings in next. The Honorable Justice Steven Seagal. <laughs> Kennedy, Kennedy was supposed to be our swing vote, right? If he goes, it's going to be Justice Roberts. And if he's swinging, I'm taking my keys out of the bowl. <laughs> You smell like a what is, what is that? I don't know. What is, it smells like smoke. What is it? It's a Ginsburn. Oh, 
If you vote for me, all of your wildest dreams will come true. The Bob Seska Show. Okay, let's dig in all this crapola. It is the Trump Crisis Day 658. Here we go. Get ready. 726 days <laughs> until the 2020 presidential election. God damn it. Oh, shit. Hey, you know what? We might as well do this. <laughs> the great T-Rex is right here. How you doing, my Hello. friend? David Ferguson from the T-Rex Report podcast. Thank you for joining me. Uh, being today. Live from T-Rex headquarters. Yeah, that's right. In the mountains of North Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I should I should let everyone know I've been monkeying with the sound of the show. So I'm a little thrown off by the different sound in my headphones of our voices and of the sounds and uh, this this music. I love this music. By the way, did you have you seen the most recent Jurassic Park movie? I have not. I am boycotting Chris Pratt until he's fat again. <laughs> you're you're the one person on the planet that prefers fat Chris Pratt. Fat Pratt. Uh, fat yeah, Pratt. bring back fat Pratt. He was just so much more interesting looking. Uh, you know, they just wow. made him into an action hero. He's all molded like a plastic doll. Now. Yeah, yeah. It's sad. It was really sad about that movie is the way as they're like, I don't want to spoil anything necessarily, but as they're boating away from the Jurassic Park Island, there's that first... Uh, first brachiosaurus that they first see in the first movie you know where they okay. you know welcome to jurassic park and they look into the brachiosaur and they're they're all freaked out well that same brachiosaurus apparently was the last dinosaur they see engulfed in volcanic smoke at the end of the dock waiting for them and like waving goodbye as chris pratt and all of them boat away from the destroyed <laughs> island it was so <laughs> i'm like looking at it going like, oh it's so sad i feel so bad for that fake dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> the, the totally fake dinosaur. Okay. And its little animatronic <clears throat> heart saying goodbye. What do you think? 726 days. We got to start counting down to the 2020 election already. I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, we talked about I'm that so on ready. the we talked about that on the panel show yesterday, David. We talked about uh, Actually, Beto O'Rourke. Can you start announcing the number of days till December 4th when it, we may be having the runoff vote between but, Kemp and Abrams? Oh, yeah, yeah. And December can I talk 4th, about how incredibly proud I am of Stacey Abrams for not caving and standing tough. Yeah, absolutely. She has been fighting Brian Kemp in courtrooms for a decade Yeah, about voting rights and voter suppression. Yep. And her legal team, like every move he has pulled, they have been like eagles, like flying and just, mm -hmm. they knew the jurisprudence. They knew exactly what to do. And they have like rolled over him in court every time so far. And today, today, finally he stepped down as secretary of state. Yeah. Yeah. Effective tonight. Uh, so, well, God, you know, just send your prayers to Georgia. We need Stacey. I mean, my actual life could depend on this, on the Medicaid expansion. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't afford health insurance right now. I'm having to pay for all my heart medications out of pocket. Jesus and Christ. No good. excuse for that to be that way. I mean, for God's sake, it's one of the things that pisses me off the most about the Republican reaction to Obamacare, because what they all did is they all put it out there as if the Medicaid expansion was going to have to be paid for by the states. And that is absolutely not true. That is a federal government expenditure. That is something that the government, the federal government pays for. Not a single state will have to put out a pocket for the Medicaid expansion, at least in the near term. 
And so, but they put out that propaganda that, oh shit, we can't pay for the Medicaid expansion in Georgia because it's too expensive and we don't want to have to raise taxes in Georgia. Well, that's horse shit. But even still, I mean, going back to the uh, the question about Stacey Abrams and then also as it relates to uh, Andrew Gillum in Florida, I, you know, I said the night of the midterms, I was like, Anyone think maybe Andrew Gillum conceded too quickly? Uh, and, of course, that's turning out to be the case. We'll, I guess we'll just dive into this now um, with regard to the midterms. Here's the margin right now. Here's the margin of difference between Andrew Gillum and Ron DeSantis in that governor's race in Florida. The margin is 0.52% between those two candidates, right? Mm. You know what the threshold is for an automatic machine recount? 0.5%. They are 0.02% away from having an automatic machine recount. Now, if the, the margin drops down to 0.25%, if it's at that point or lower, it's not just an automatic machine recount. It's an automatic hand recount of all 8 million plus <laughs> votes that were cast in the state of Florida during the midterm elections. So that is a big effing deal. That means that Andrew Gillum is uh, is still in the running. I mean, again, 0.02%. That's all the, the additional votes they need to get in order to trigger an automatic machine recount. So... He obviously conceded too early. And the problem is that, you know what? He was being a good guy. He was being a good winner. I mean, a good, I mean, a good yeah. loser, I meant to say, uh, in that race. He was being and a gentleman. He was being a gentleman. He at the round table yesterday. Right. And there was no chance in hell that Ron DeSantis would have ever conceded that quickly. I mean, he would have still been, no. you know, stomping around. More. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my concern, too, is that uh, in a recount situation, especially in Florida, that Donald Trump's just going to go down there and camp out, you know, and do like one rally after another right outside of where they're doing the uh, the recounting in one of the precincts. And he's just going to it's going to be like 2000 all over again if it gets down to that. But that's what I was saying earlier is I wish I didn't have PTSD from the last Florida. You hear the words Florida and recount and I just yeah. twitch automatically. I'm yeah. seeing Kathleen Harris's terrifying pneumatic chest. Um, <laughs> Right. You know, it is funny because uh, Tuesday night was not good for Florida tourism. I mean, if you were on Twitter at all Tuesday night while all of that was going down, everyone was just like, F Florida, F you Florida, the goddamn it Florida. For God's sakes, how can you vote for Rick Scott as a senator when you've actually got toxic algae yeah. in giant pools? Nobody yep. can go to the beach in Florida without getting sick. Yeah. Because of the agricultural runoff, because they lose the environmental and re regulations, because damn re regulations are socialist. Oh, you know? Jesus and I just, Christ. <laughs> right. And yet they still vote for the guy, the Medicare frauding lizard man, Rick Scott. Yeah. Who, uh, half man, half snake. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I want to dig into the midterms more thoroughly here in just a few minutes, but uh, I think we got to start out. I mean, I think we really need to dig into uh, this story with Jeff Sessions and Trump and uh, yes. and Matt Whitaker. Um, if you want to hear more about uh, my immediate reactions to the midterms, by the way, you can listen to our panel show from yesterday where we had, uh, it was me and Buzz Burbank and Kim Johnson and the great Jody Hamilton and we all did a we did a four-way uh, on the air yesterday or on the podcast 
it's and a fun show. I just listened to it this morning. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was good. And we're gonna it actually do... sounds like you're all sitting around a table. Yeah, that's the that was the whole idea. And it's strange because Kimberly and I are here in Maryland. Uh, Buzz is in Florida, and, and Jody was in California. And somehow, I'm always amazed by the technology that allows us to do something like that. So you want to go to our Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash Bob Seska Show, and you can listen to the whole thing down there for free. And while you're there, please consider supporting our bonus content on Patreon. Like I said earlier, $1 a month. You won't even notice. That's pennies per show. I think it amounts to, I think it's like 12 cents or less per episode if you were to break it down to that point. Uh, and $12 a year. I mean, who's going to miss $12 a year? So if everyone who downloads the show uh, were to sign up at $1 a month on our Patreon page, not only do you have access to this great community, lots of great conversation happening there, uh, but you also support the show. You also support the show in a way that uh, doesn't really tax your bank accounts all that heavily. So thank you for doing that. And uh, meanwhile, so we'll just dive into this uh, major, major crisis with uh, Jeff Sessions and the Mueller investigation. So yesterday, uh, Trump fired Jeff Sessions. Let's be completely honest about what it was. It was not a resignation. Did you also happen to notice, David? No, it was that the- a forced resignation. It was like it was one of those "I'm demanding you resign." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and he said that in his undated resignation letter, which has apparently been sitting on his desk for yeah, months. I was going to say, yeah, as per your request, totally I am undated. My post. Yeah, yeah. I just, I will hate Donald Trump until the day I die <laughs> for denying me the pleasure of watching that. Jeff Sessions get fired. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, what did you think that uh, Donald Trump was actually going to get up and announce it or fire him in public? Because you know what? That's the thing. No, that- I just mean that like I want I want to feel happy every time Jeff Sessions loses a job. And instead, <laughs> it's a sign that, that you know, the, the criminal, the rule of law is imploding. Oh, where's our Jeff Sessions music? Well, we can still use it. Oh, there it is. Oh, back to the farm with you, Jeff. Did you see some you of the cousin be- humping, sheet wearing, gun loving? <laughs> Did two you, feet tall possum man. Speaking of two, home. two feet tall possum man, holy God. Did you see some of the B-roll of him standing next to Matt Whitaker? It was yes. like, oh, it was like, um, well, I would say I was comparing uh, myself carrying around Ruth Bader Ginsburg on my back. I was comparing that to Master Blaster uh, from uh, Mad Max Beyond <laughs> Thunderdome. But, but I mean, Jeff Sessions and Matt Whitaker could form their own Master Blaster. Absolutely. Because Jeff Sessions looks like he can, well, it's like that John Oliver, that John Oliver Photoshop where they've got uh, Jeff Sessions uh, sitting in a teacup wearing a raspberry for a hat, which is the funniest <laughs> goddamn thing in the world. Oh, no. And uh, and so, yeah, he looks like a dwarf next to Matt Whitaker, who apparently is like 12 feet tall, like a 12 foot tall desert warrior of some sort. His and, head uh, is actually shaped like a bullet. Yeah, it is shaped I mean, like a he bullet. Is every, he's a bullet headed mother son, as <laughs> they say in the Beatles song. He is a bullet head. That's for sure. Uh, I think Kimberly Johnson said he looks like a walking penis. I think that was pretty goddamn accurate for Matt Whitaker. That's Peter Garrett from Midnight Oil. <laughs> Well, that there you go. Also, well, you could also say uh, Rick Scott. He's a bent penis. Yeah. Rick, Rick Scott Rick and Scott, the guy. No, no, don't say, don't put those two words in a sentence. Together. Well, Rick, Rick Scott, Scott and the guy from Midnight Oil are almost identical looking. You at least have to say that. No. <laughs> so I'm no. sorry. I'm sorry. Rick Scott's got this like, crazy like blown open pupils like what's the michelle bachman look it's just you so know? weird that there's not a single strand of hair on his entire body it's just like he's got he's got like oh. full alopecia from head to toe i don't think he has eyebrows either and it just makes him look really scary and slender man-ish i think 
but I, just, I can't understand Florida. I mean, with the damage he's done to that state, that's like palpable yeah, in I, terms of environmental impact. And they still just line up to vote for him because right. well, he's got an R next to his name. An entire population of Florida men. <laughs> you know, the, the Florida right. man. There was like actually Tuesday night while we were all watching this insanity from Florida. Uh, Charles Johnson from Little Green Footballs posted a video on uh, YouTube, of, I mean on uh, Twitter, and it showed this guy, it was this whole new, another Florida man news story, where some guy at this alligator zoological park, or whatever they call them down there, those petting zoos for alligators, some guy stripped down to his underpants and his boots, jumped into the water with the alligators, got bit by one of the alligators, and then climbed out of the water after being bitten, and then jump back in the water again. I mean, that, that is absolutely the most ridiculous, one of the most ridiculous Florida stories I've ever heard. It just got, he got mauled by alligators just biting the crap out of him. That is a, that is a true Florida story. It's the, it's the jumping back in that makes it a Florida story. That's right. That's right. Um, only, the only more gruesome stories in the world come from the former Eastern Bloc. <laughs> right. You'll get a story and you'll be like, someone will be like, okay, guess where this is. They're like two guys drunk playing with a chainsaw. One guy <laughs> went to jokingly pretend he was going to cut off the other guy's dick with a chainsaw and actually did. <laughs> right. And I'm like, that's, you know, it's got to be Romania. I mean, and it was, it was, it's always Romania or Russia or Kazakhstan or, I mean, yeah, it was crazy. It's like people. it's always like you know. Oh yes, and then Yuri hit the grizzly bear in the mouth with shovel, and he was torn to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> we tell this story every year. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions. Yes. Yeah, okay, I mean, so we've the got, president obviously. is moving the chessboard around. Yeah. To begin his own Saturday night massacre, and that's. Mm-hmm. At 5 p.m., I'm going over to protest. Are you going to protest today? Are well, there's going to be like 900 of them. I don't know if I'm going to go, and I'm not really a, a protest kind of guy. This is my protest. This is what I do to protest. I do a podcast. I'm the, I'm the laziest of all protesters. Uh, but, oh, yeah. by the way, you know what? Speak, speak the only of, thing that's lazier is a hashtag activist, really. Yeah, yeah. I think on the, uh, once we, <laughs> by the way, getting to the uh, post-mortem show, and I want to get ahead of ourselves, but on the post-mortem show, I want to talk about that protest took place on Tucker Carlson's front lawn. So I have a few things to say about that. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I don't want to talk about that before we really dig into the repercussions of the Jeff Sessions situation. But but nevertheless, so Whitaker, this guy Whitaker is uh, obviously... He was like uh, temping at the Justice Department, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know who had the best <laughs> comment about installing Matt Whitaker is uh, Marcy Wheeler, uh, Empty Wheel on Twitter. She had the greatest suggestion for how the Democrats should approach Donald Trump with regard to his installation of Matt Whitaker instead of uh, upping Rod Rosenstein to acting attorney general, um, which is the correct way to do this. Trump put this guy, Matt Whitaker, in because why? Because Trump is obstructing justice. Trump, and and we know what Matt Whitaker thinks about all this, but Wheeler suggested that the question should be, if Matt Whitaker wasn't installed to obstruct the Mueller investigation, then ask Matt Whitaker to recuse himself. If you refuse to do that, Donald Trump, then that suggests to us that you're committing obstruction of justice again. Duh. Right. So that's I think that's the best approach. Challenge him Except on why that Trump has absolutely demonstrated that he has no concept of recusal and how it works and why no. Jeff Sessions was not allowed to make rulings on the Russia investigation because he'd been caught lying about meetings with the Russian ambassador. Yep. Which kind of, you know, so the fact that that connection was never made in Trump's head 
I don't think he understands what an actual conflict of interest and what recusal means. He doesn't so, understand anything. I don't think he understands pre-existing conditions. I don't think he understands the difference between Medicaid and Medicare. I mean, these are all things that, you know, you wonder, would someone just please? And I know that the press is doing as, as good as a, a job as it can. Um, and then that, that'll be a nice segue into the Jim Acosta situation. But the <laughs> fact is that, you know, there are specific questions that you can ask Donald Trump that will deliberately trip him up and he will not be able to answer these questions and it will be so obvious. But that's, I mean, speaking of obvious, that's the thing with this Whitaker Sessions Rosenstein scenario. It is yet another bit of of just heinous gaslighting where we're all looking at this and we all say any normal human being is going to look at the firing of Jeff Sessions and the installation of Matt Whitaker anyone who knows about Matt Whitaker especially is going to say this is so obvious that Donald Trump is guilty and he's trying to cover his ass and he's getting more and more reckless about it where he doesn't care about the political ramifications he doesn't care what it looks like from the outside he's just going to do it because his only goal right now is to shield himself and now especially based on what we've been learning over the last 48 hours, he's especially trying to protect Donald Trump Jr., who is going to be indicted at any second now. Where are the, what are the sources on that? I've heard a lot of noise about Trump Jr. and Roger Stone, uh, but like who are, I mean, this is just rumors. I mean, as far as I've been able to establish, who is that coming from? Well, it's coming from all kinds of uh, sources. Uh, you know, um, in fact, Gabe Sherman wrote a piece in Vanity Fair. Okay. Where he's talking I about trust how, him. Yeah, Donald Trump has a sad. That's not the headline. That's just how I'm describing this article. <laughs> Donald Trump has a sad. Apparently, and if, if you watch the press conference yesterday, you know that Donald Trump is really, really depressed and low energy and deflated. That was weird. I watched just a little bit of it uh, on after listening to part of the show yesterday. Yeah. I was like, I need to go back and check this out because it came on. I was actually at the gym doing an upper body routine. It was like, I don't have time for that bitch. Nice. That <laughs> messy queen. I'm not even taking off my headphones. <laughs> um, it yeah, was uh, it was somber Donald Trump. Somber. So somber. It was that, but it was like, it was worse. It just sounded like he was depressed. It was like uh, Annie Wilkes is like Kathy Bates in misery when she gets really down and she just drives off into the, into the sunset and, and she doesn't, doesn't come back for a couple of days. That's what, that was Donald Trump yesterday. Sad Annie Wilkes. I mean, he actually, Gabe Sherman reported uh, Trump, uh, based on this source, is very upset, quote unquote, about the risks Don Jr. faces. The president, quote, is very depressed, this person said. Um, but yeah, so Donald Trump is sad, and it's partly because, obviously, the midterms, and obviously because of this rumor flying around about Donald Trump Jr. In addition to all of that, New York Magazine, Politico, Vanity Fair, all reporting right now that uh, Donald Trump Jr. has told his friends that he expects to be indicted by Mueller very soon. I did uh, hear that last night. I can't remember who. Is it Maddow? Yeah, it was Somebody probably was Maddow. Yeah, it. yeah. It's, I'm sure it's all it over MSNBC. It's a quote from a New York Times thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's been um, telling friends that. One former West Wing official who testified before the Senate Intelligence Committee said, I am very worried about Don Jr., fearing that Mueller could demonstrate that Trump Jr. perjured himself after he testified that he never told his father beforehand about the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting with Russian officials promising dirt on Hillary Clinton. Mueller is expected to submit his final report to the Justice Department in the coming months. Hence, hence, Matt Whitaker. Duh. Hello. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. I mean, that. I mean, it, I hope that a Mueller. Big darn deal. 
It's a, it's, it is. It's a, it's a very big darn deal. A big darn deal. That's right. <laughs> um, and so if Matt Whitaker is sitting there when um, Mueller hands down his report, Matt Whitaker is, of course, going to stick it in a desk. And so that's going to trigger whatever suicide switch that uh, Robert Mueller has. And that report is also going to end up on the front steps of the New York Times and the Washington Post and Adam mm-hmm. Schiff's office. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, not to mention Jerry Nadler's office, too, and whatever other uh, congressional um, House committee chair that uh, Robert Mueller sees fit to uh, to leak that document to. So it's not I'm not I can't believe the Democrats won the House. I mean, understanding the gerrymandering, understanding I did not think that without massive redistricting that we would see a blue house. That just Again. goes to show there's the the size of the blue wave. Anyone, especially James Carville. That goddamn golem was on the on the TV the other night, Ugh. and it just depressed the entire world there for a good forty five minutes. Right? He's like, "I don't think there's gonna be a blue wave." What? And then suddenly, I can't stand that guy. <laughs> I he's know, just like the very epitome of just like the worst of Washington hacks who treat all of this as a game, and yeah. like nobody's live hanging the balance, or you know, it's. This was the second largest popular vote uh, margin. Um, other than 2008, uh, it was certainly a, a margin of uh, larger than um, two, uh, 1994, which was a huge change election, 2006, which was a huge change election. This was a massive, massive turnout by the American people, the American voters who uh, just set all kinds of new records. And I think that's what it was. It was just, remember, we've been talking about this all along. Every time we're counting down to the midterms, we're talking about overwhelming the vote. And that's exactly what happened. Now, some areas came up short. And I think we look at these areas and we automatically see, whether it's Georgia or whether it's Florida, we automatically see the shenanigans that are likely going on behind the scenes where there are voter purges and there are all kinds of voter suppression uh, activities happening down there, whether and we saw I mean, there's just no reason Brian Kemp was still sitting in the office of uh, what was, was he secretary of state down there. Yeah. I want you to imagine how the Republicans in my state would have acted if we'd had a Democratic secretary of state running for governor against a Republican. Oh, I know. I know. It, they would have shit hot bricks. I mean, they would just yeah. have been screaming from one end of the state to the other that it was not fair, that it was rigged. They'd refuse to accept the results. You know, I mean, and uh, yeah, I know. But you know, know what makes me happy? What I get upset and I get worried, and then I think about Chris Kobach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do I. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, Chris Kobach. Mr. Vote Suppression King has just like gone down with a fucking apple in his mouth like a roasted pig. Yeah, Chris Kobach is out. Uh, Dana Rohrbacher is out. Scott Walker <sighs> is out. You know, it's the weirdest goddamn thing about Scott Walker. You know who the first person was that I thought of when I heard that Scott Walker lost? I, I immediately went to Ed Schultz. I was like, you know what? Somewhere Ed yeah. Schultz is, is celebrating with a glass of single malt somewhere. And uh, because it was it was really Ed Schultz who ran and led the charge against Scott Walker literally for years. I mean, that guy, it was he pulled uh, the fire alarm on the teachers union. 
Yeah. That's when it became a national issue. Right. And then, uh, you know, I remember Ed Schultz covering the uh, the recall election and all of that. Yeah. Right through there with Scott Walker and a bunch of other Republicans, I noticed you have these weirdly asymmetric faces. <laughs> have you ever noticed how much higher <laughs> Scott Walker's left eye is in his right eye? Oh, well, like, there's I went, all like, <laughs> I went deep on the Internet trying to figure see if he'd been in like a massive disfiguring car accident or a mountain climbing accident <laughs> or something to explain like why it looks like somebody opened up his head and put something evil in there and then closed it up again and it just pokes his eye a little bit in the weird yeah. wrong direction. Yeah. But like Kellyanne Conway's got a similar thing going on and there was like mm-hmm. one of the MAGA guys who like attacked someone or something. He yeah. said a similar shape. I'm just like, why are their faces so weird? All these guys like Jacob Wall. I look at Jacob Wall and I go, man, that guy was kicked by a mule at some point. How many times? How many? You oh, know, that's you were- fetal alcohol syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. really. <laughs> That, they, they, that gives me flashbacks to George W. Bush. Remember everyone was talking about George <laughs> W. Bush having fetal alcohol syndrome? That's horrible. And it's horrible that you mentioned fetal alcohol syndrome, and I st- my immediate reaction was to laugh. I <laughs> I'm, I'm suddenly now I'm regretting sorry. the laughter. I'm, try- I'm going to try to put on my I'm sorry and serious like the contrition face here. I'm, All right. I'm well, doing fe- the- fetal alcohol syndrome is a good segue back to Matt Whitaker. Uh, which is <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, you know, I don't know if you know a this, but the, I was just going to say the, he reminds me of like a pit bull skull. Like his little <laughs> walnut sized brain is in there behind an eight inch ridge of bone. Jesus Christ. That's so true. That's so true. And now he's the acting attorney general in charge of the <sighs> Russia investigation. I guess that's why Rod Rosenstein went to the White House yesterday was to uh, uh, get uh, demoted by Donald Trump. You know, like he's no longer going to be running the uh, Russia investigation. And I, I wonder if if Rod Rosenstein isn't privately relieved to be done with that, to not be like the the whipping boy of every incel fascist on the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah, Jesus. But meanwhile, Matt Whitaker uh, was involved in a Miami-based uh, invention marketing company that the FTC shut down last year as after calling it as a scam. As a scam. He was like out of work, Iowa attorney, and he just was like, I need to get on the news. I need to get to the president. And he like went on the news, or the CNN as a pundit, yeah. and the president was like, I like the cut of his jib. He's <laughs> sucking my dick openly on the air. <laughs> And he now he's the attorney general. Imagine that. I think he was the guy who first floated the idea of defunding, basically bleeding to death Mueller's office. Yeah, yeah, where they don't shut it down, they just take away all of its money. They do like a backdoor shutting down of the Mueller investigation, and that was apparently Matt Whitaker's idea. The guy who's now running the Mueller investigation. So, yeah, as you were mentioning earlier, David, uh, 900 plus different protests scheduled for this evening. Think about but, the airports you know, yeah. uh, when they did the travel ban. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, it's wildly unpopular. And I just I feel like just bodies standing seriously. And I guess they're going to call us an angry mob. But, you know, it's. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's just a point of view to stand up and be counted and remind them that we are there are so many more of this. Yeah. The next uh, are them. The next two months are just going to be like uh, sitting on tenterhooks. I mean, it's just going to be intense couple of months until the new Congress is sworn in. And at that point, we can kind of. Which is different from the last 16 months, how? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, now Donald Trump is crazier, and that, I guess, would uh, be a nice segue into uh, his press conference yesterday. But first, I want to talk about uh, Brooklyn and Sheets. Uh, right on. Which is, uh, man, you know, Kimberly Johnson and I got our, our set of uh, clean, white Brooklyn and Sheets a few weeks ago. And just in time, 
Because one of the things we love to do is uh, when when the air gets gets crisp at night is we like to uh, throw the window open and turn on a couple of box fans and basically refrigerate our entire bedroom. It keeps the awesomeness fresh. Thank you very much. Uh, and that applies to Kimberly and not necessarily me. It keeps my my nerd behavior fresh in that case. You stay crunchy uh, in milk. Yeah, but I mean, these Brooklyn and sheets are cool to the touch. They're crisp. They're soft. They're just wonderful. I swear by these sheets, and so does Kimberly Johnson. I mean, take it from a menopausal woman, and I'm talking about Kimberly, not me. I'm not, <laughs> not necessarily. Not I yet. wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't. Yeah, I'm just not yet. Here. Just, well, wait not a couple. Saying a word. Wait a couple. <laughs> a couple more months of the Trump administration, and I will be a menopausal woman. I. I'm, I'm concerned about that deeply. But the other thing I'm not is I'm not a rich guy, but I sleep like one now. And at the end of a stressful day, Kimberly and I slip into these great new sheets we discovered at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And it's not just us. Good housekeeping name, brooklinen.com, the best of online betting. Brooklinen.com is the fastest growing betting brand in the world with over 25... 20, 20,000 five-star reviews. A husband-wife team in Brooklyn wanted the, sh- the kind of sheets you'd find in the nicest hotel rooms, but since most betting is marked up as much as 300%, they don't want to pay those inflated prices, so they've cut out the middlemen while still providing personal customer service like any good small business. Brooklyn and sheets come in your choice of fabrics and colors, and they look as great as they feel. And of course, as I said before, my Brooklyn and sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever, ever slept on. And Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for my listeners. Get $20 off and free shipping. Game changer. Ooh. I love those commercials. Game changer. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use my promo code BOBC at Brooklinen.com. Brooklyn and so sure you're going to love their new sheets. There's a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. But take it from me, you're not going to have to use that 60-night satisfaction guarantee because you are going to love your sheets from brooklinen.com. The Bob Seska Show. Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Thank you, Buzz. Welcome back to our Thursday show. The great T-Rex, David Ferguson, is here from the T-Rex Report. That's Patreon.com slash The T-Rex Report. Go and listen to it now. Uh, Gotta have Jody Hamilton on tomorrow. Ah, Jody on the show My favorite guest. Yeah, that'll, that'll be great. I can't wait to hear that joke. Um, you know, I've had Jen Kirkman on twice now, and we still, like, Never gotten around to Tad Divine because we ended up on like tangent after tangent after tangent after tangent, and we still it just doesn't come up. Jen Kirkman <laughs> is like podcast gold. Uh, I swear to God, the Jen Kirkman interview that I did uh, with her back in August, I think, is the most downloaded interview show that I have done so far, and I've done a bunch of them now. I I want to say what three months worth of interview shows, and mm-hmm. the Jen Kirkman one shot like right to the top of the Realm Network over on iTunes, and I was like, wow, that's that's amazing, but not surprising, not surprising at all, because Jen Kirkman's awesome. And by the way, she's got an awesome uh, album out now. Uh, based mm. on her most recent stand-up special. So you want to go to Jen Kirkman's website and, uh, and check out that album. And by the way, while I'm plugging uh, things, you got to try, I don't know if you've tried uh, Chris Lavoie's Banded Masculine Candles yet, 
but oh my god, T Rex. We're talking about those. Yeah, yeah. These are God. You guys are gonna love those. You know, I'm a nose person. Yeah, I, I like things that smell good, and I'm very picky. So oh I'm my god, check these out on your recommendation. Yeah, are there soaps and things too? Because I'm a big. You can buy like, soaps. You can buy. Uh, obviously, there's banded masculine soaps too. But I, I really dig the candles, and and plus, I'm kind of partial to my bubble genius soap. So, uh, right. but but with banded masculine, I mean, they got he's got campfire scent. Uh, the candles, they're all like man scents, or it's Stephanie Miller calls them mandals, man candles, mandals, mandals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so there's a. Uh, but Kimberly ca- likes the. What, which one does she like? Oh, she loves the campfire one. That was the one uh, we, we first burned. That was the one right out of the bag that we got uh, from Chris Lavoie. So there's campfire, there's leather, there's. Uh, what are the other? Fresh cut grass. That's another one. Uh, that's, that's the one. That's the one I want. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I want that soap. Because you yeah. remember Gap? Had this stuff called grass back in the nineties that smelled like cut grass. It was like the best smelling stuff in the world. Yeah, and this really these candles really smell like fresh cut grass. It's kind of amazing the way that actually works. I want but, that. I want that. Uh, just That's go to you can get me for Christmas, Bob. Yep, go to bobseska.com and click the all caps banded masculine link just beneath the logo. It's right next to our Amazon link, and it'll take you right to uh the, the Amazon page for banded masculine. Not not only that, but once you're over there, you can continue and do other kinds of pre-holiday shopping and we get a teeny tiny commission from some of the things you buy. So thank you for using our Amazon link at bobseska.com and also thank you for using our banded masculine link for Chris Lavoie. All right, so we were talking about um, the situation with Jim Acosta and Trump's horrendous oh. press conference yesterday. Just uh, And that bizarre Myrmidon woman who looks like Hope Hicks that was like just... Advancing yeah. on Jim Acosta and just trying to grab the mic and then looking at the president and trying to grab the mic and look at the president and tr- and it was the weirdest culty yeah just he he had like hand signals for her Trump was st- sitting up behind the podium and by the way once again well, he whistled for her at first fucking fat ass Donald Trump did you see him propped up against that podium from the side view the side view is never favorable to Donald Trump because his ass sticks out like three or four feet beyond his body and it's just like he's leaning and he's got his belly just pressed against the podium it's amazing that that podium has got to be screwed into that stage with like titanium foot rebar spike down into the ground yeah the same kind of rivets they used on the titanic or something like that just to hold that podium upright to keep trump's bulk as he leans let's be clear we were kind of uh, someone was getting onto me for fat shaming the president, and it's not that he's. I mean, I like I said, I'm pro fat. I like fat Chris Pratt. I like bears. That's yeah. my guys. But like, the president and his son sons, they're just weirdly shaped people. Yeah, yeah, they they're are. They're just bulgy, and it's like all well, that it's re- you know, it's it's a comment on the fact that they're just they're body fascists themselves. Like Donald Trump is always talking about. I'm all into genetics. I'm all about the great genes. I've got the best <sighs> genes. The very 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 very, very very, very best genes. And it's just, and it makes you want to just rip into this guy because he looks like a bag of sourdough. He's a schmoo with terrible hair. I mean, he's just an, a hideous, hideous man for, for so many reasons, but it's mainly the reason we point this out is just to push back against the bullying. He really presents himself as the most tremendous person in the world. And he's not, he looks like a cartoon supervillain. He, with the face, the clown really, like, makeup. I mean, like and, a Dick Tracy supervillain. Like, yeah. So exaggerated that you'd think 
Like if you were going to make it now, if this was a movie, people would be like, it's just too <laughs> on the nose. It's too right. much. Yeah. You can't give him that hair. You can't. Yes. And, like and no one would vote for someone with that hair. It's too unrealistic. It's completely unrealistic. And yesterday especially, he just looked puffy and sweaty and just uh, low energy. I got to go back and watch this because it sounds like it was kind of schadenfreude delicious. Yeah, I mean, at, at one point he was talking about how uh, we should put partisanship aside. That was one of the most hilarious <laughs> parts of the, the press conference because last week he called for an end to the politics of personal destruction right before (laughs) dozens of rallies in which he name-called, demagogued, and screeched about the Democratic mob or the Democrat mob. This was how Donald Trump uh, illustrates. And he doesn't even his, know the name of the party. He's like, they should change the name to the Democratic Party and yeah. give me the checks. And you're <laughs> I like, know what an idiot! What an idiot! I, I was listening to you just wrestle with that last oh, week, Bob, and I, I felt for you. I was feeling it. Uh, you're just, it's like. I he's know. He's a punk. He is a, punk. is a punk. He, he's, he's a punk. He's a monster. He's a, a, totally a monster. Did you see him at that one point? I can't pronounce it. I want to say it's Yamiche. Yamiche Alcinder. Oh, he's like, that's the racist question. That is a racist question. That is the most racist question. That is a racist, <sighs> racist question. Yes, racism against the white billionaire president. Oh, woe is me. Cry me a river, you goddamn whining sack of shit. <laughs> that's a racist, racist question. Uh, All she was doing is asking about how he identified as a nationalist. Which has obvious whether or not that emboldens actual white nationalists. It's a it's a (laughs) perfectly logical question. Yeah, here's the more important thing with uh, Donald Trump thinking he's being uh, being racially profiled or persecuted. Poor, poor Biff. Biff has a sad, so depressed, so depressed and sad, Sad. so somber. He's so somber. Somber, so somber. Oh shit! Yeah, and uh, this, uh, I used to love this Sarah McLaughlin song. Can I just say that it's ruined for me now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I just picture dogs with bad skin, freezing and shivering in the rain. It's like, hi, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. I'm here to wreck your day. <laughs> it's the saddest of all songs. It really, really is. It is the absolute saddest song ever written. But you see, earlier on, Donald Trump was reading from his prepared remarks. Which is always, I mean, usually when he reads from his prepared remarks, it's always a train wreck because he hates doing it. It's like he's got right. two speeds. He does the he does the prepared remarks. Somber. Right, this. So throughout. somber. Right, it's totally like he's somber. Asleep. Yeah, he's yeah. Asleep. Then he goes into his spontaneous remarks and completely contradicts his actual prepared remarks. <laughs> Where he believes that these are two different things. Okay, I have to say these words first before I can say what I really want to say. And that's how I think he thinks. But during his prepared remarks, at one point, he was so low energy. So, I mean, he was totally in Jeb Bush, Mm -hmm. please clap mode yesterday. (laughs) And he referred to the midterm election, not as the midterm election, but as the midtown and midturn election. (laughs) I mean, he was so out of it that he referred to the midterm election as the midtown and midturn election. That was a complete phrase that he did. And of course, he was trying to retcon his gaffe, which is what he always does. Like he he screws up. He has a gaffe. And then he tries to make it seem as if that's what he meant to say. I meant to do that. So I'm surprised you didn't go. Well, after this midtown election, the one they had in Midtown, New York, is where I usually vote. That's where I vote. I go up to Midtown, and I go to Broadway, and I see a show, and then I vote. And I, I'm surprised. And I made a lot of that. money. A lot of money on a Broadway show. <laughs> so much money. It's the most, such a the good most deal. money. It's such a good yeah. <laughs> 
But I mean, at that point, the provigil hadn't kicked in yet. And once the provigil finally kicked in, that's when he beat the shit out of uh, out of Jim Acosta by proxy. I mean, at one point, Donald Trump walked away from the podium as if he was about to walk down there and get in Jim Acosta's face. And then also Peter Alexander's face. And Peter Alexander was standing there going, I didn't do nothing. And he's like, well, you're terrible, too. And you're all terrible. Peter Alexander is such a sweet little forest creature. He is. He's like, you know, he has this just like, I want to just pet him. Like, he's like, he should be like perched on Snow White's finger. You know, while she. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. He's like, uh, he's like the Muppet Babies version of uh, Brian Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and then one, at one point during the uh, press conference yesterday, Donald Trump said about uh, Larry Kudlow, 71-year-old uh, Larry Kudlow, who's been working in personal finance and CNBC for years. He said about Larry Kudlow, you're a young man and you haven't been doing this too long. I, I don't know what what did he did he think I don't know if he thinks that's a joke or if he thinks that's a real thing like Larry Kudlow's a young man he's seventy one okay but I mean generally speaking Trump Chez used to use this phrase all the time to describe Trump's ego he used to call it Trump's delicate ego which is it's he's so fragile yes. and so uh, brittle with his ego that he just can't take the fact that Jim Acosta was asking him challenging questions so he's got to get this. 19 year old intern to go. I don't know if she was 19 years old. She's very young, a young female intern to go up and accost uh, uh, Jim Acosta and try to take. What to me is so weird is that she looks exactly like Hope Hicks. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you, you <laughs> wonder... like, this is uh, Hope Hicks is gone, but she left behind four fembots that look exactly <laughs> like her. <laughs> it's, I'm going to send over Hope Hicks's clone to take care of Jim Acosta. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, he does this whole hand gesture. So tell He's me, like, okay, so the, they, they, they read oh, InfoWars has edited the video to prove ostensibly that what? Jim Acosta is a brute and yeah. he like because i mean if you look at the what did they do to the video well they've seen the altered video what they did is they slowed down her approach to jim acosta and then sped up when his left arm drops and his wrist brushes against her inner arm as it's on its way to his microphone so she's reaching and trying to like wrestle the microphone away from her and his hand his left hand is gesturing to trump and his right hand is holding the microphone, and then his hand goes to just drop like it normally would to go down by his side or to reach over and grab the microphone with two hands. And it and it kind of his wrist kind of brushed against the inside of her arm. Right. And that's what Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday described on Twitter as placing his hands on a young woman just trying to do her job as a White House intern. So this is I mean, this is the full tweet that Sarah Sanders put out yesterday. Uh, President Trump, President Trump believes in a free press and expects and welcomes tough questions of him and his administration. (laughs) Wrong, wrong, 100 percent wrong. wrong. Yeah, no, that is not right at all. Donald Trump, wrong, wrong, wrong. Donald Trump doesn't like tough questions at all because the entire his entire problem with the fake news is they actually report on all of his lies and he doesn't like that. So that therefore they're fake news. President Trump believes in a free press and expects and welcomes tough questions of his and him and his administration. We will, however, never tolerate a reporter placing his hands, plural, on a young woman just trying to do her job as a White House intern. Hands, plural. He didn't even put one hand, singular, on her at all. His wrist brushed against her arm 
And that was it. That was the extent of it. And for that, he lost his hard pass and he was barred from the White House. Jesus Christ, these goddamn babies. These goddamn little whiny, whiny diaper babies. The, and yet I saw people on Facebook, like these some gay guys I know, and this one guy was just saying, well, I just think Acosta's a prick anyway. He's just always yeah. grandstanding. And I'm like, oh, yeah, democracy and the <sighs> rule of law are being dismantled before our very eyes. But, oh, what a prick that Acosta guy is. Whoa. I mean, Jim you Acosta, know, I mean, he literally... right, folks? Yeah, like, I know. I mean, he literally... It's not the issue. He literally said, pardon me, ma'am. What a monster. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just like, he said, pardon me, ma'am. That's, I mean, that's the only thing Jim Acosta said to her. Has this, anyone put the video of that next to the Corey Lewandowski video? Oh, you know, I tweeted that. I tweeted, tweeted the Corey Lewandowski thing at Sarah Sanders today. Not, not as if she's going to read any of that, but that was the thing. I mean, as I was like, did you, so well, you, you got Michael Steele's attention the other night? <laughs> oh, I know that was, oh, that, <laughs> what was that about? What a shock. I mean, I was, I didn't expect him to be such an a-hole about it, but I mean, I was just like, Michael, what are you talking about? You, you mean to tell me? that the Democrats are not to investigate the most corrupt administration in the history of the American presidency. Is that what you're trying to tell us with all of this? And, and he was like, don't be stupid. Like, I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> we're not talking about burning uh, Trump in effigy here in the, on the floor of the House of Representatives. We're talking about accountability for all of these obvious crimes. And obviously... Adam Schiff and Steny Hoyer and Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and Jerry Nadler and uh, and Himes and Swalwell and all the rest, they're not going to suddenly hulk out and start raging like Donald Trump. They're going to take this like the adults that they are. That's how they're going to proceed about all of this. And if you're superimposing some form of Trumpism on the House Democrats, you're not looking at the house democrats through clear eyes because that's not how i wish sometimes the house democrats would get uh, a little loud and a little, a little tougher caucus-y. yeah 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 but th- of course they're they're not going to do that um to to their credit obviously because it's you know like i've always explained there are different strata in the political debate and i think for those of us here in the trenches we're the ones who do the screaming and punching well not literally punching but you know what i mean and it's up to our, the leadership on the Hill to take a more uh, decent measured approach, approach, a more measured approach. Exactly. So that's how I always see it. So that's I mean, that's how it should be uh, really divvied up. And I think um, what Michael Steele was doing, is he was thinking in terms of, you know, lynch mobs running up to the White House and demanding Trump's tax returns, which will be one of the that, bi- that wouldn't hurt my feelings i mean I'm, oh no I, you know some pitchforks and pitchforks and torches might do us some good i think uh, but, what maxine yeah. waters is going to be the chair of the financial services committee i just fucking love that i love every every time i think and and this was how i was setting myself up thinking about the midterms is that it's this is all about subpoena power and controlling the committees uh in addition to legislatively blocking anything that the senate and and trump hands down to them so uh this is so exciting to think i think it was john heilerman last night who said gridlock is a good thing when it's not when it's stopping fascism in its tracks yeah i would say so i mean i think that's a really good way to put it and and that's to me that's the number one priority i think there is no greater priority right now than bottling trumpism 
And I don't mean bottling it and manufacturing. I mean, bottling it for good, basically humiliating it out of existence. That's what needs to happen. And I think part of that process is investigating all of these obvious crimes being committed by Trump and his co-conspirators. And so if you're not on board with that, I don't know what else to tell you. And that's what I said to Michael Steele yesterday. So it's just I don't understand this timidity. I mean, I wrote a whole piece about it for the Daily Banter yesterday in the member section. And, uh, you know, it's this is something that's been going on, David, since we've been covering politics and, and beyond, because mm-hmm. there's a double standard. And we saw it in the 2016 election. But we've seen it for years before where the Democrats are expected to do one thing and the Republicans are expected to do another thing. And as soon as the Democrats step out of that role in the uh, television media's uh, uh, news narrative, then they're criticized and they're shamed and scolded into getting back into where the news media wants them to be. It's basically, yeah. And this is why I've always, I mean, I'm kind of like compromising with these people is basically like lying still to be date raped. Yeah. In some ways it's, uh, you know, as you can't, I can't make peace and find common ground with people who are white supremacists. I can't make peace and find common ground with people who uh, don't think that my husband and I should be married. Yeah, terrible. And I, this is part of the, and it's one, of, it makes me want to grab Chuck Schumer by the lapels and just shake him till his dentures fall out. Just yeah. like, it's, you can't play nice with these people. You can't. The only thing they understand is the elbow to the face. Yeah, I mean, was Michael Steele chastising the Republicans for investigating Benghazi and all of those bullshit investigations that they carried on? Investigations that had no factual basis whatsoever. Where was Michael Steele when the Republican-led House of Representatives was voting based on James O'Keefe edited videos? I mean, these are things that have actually happened with a Republican-controlled Congress where they have actually scheduled votes and held votes based on shit that James O'Keefe has concocted in one of his jackass prank videos. They defunded Acorn because of his videos, and we learned afterwards that Acorn wasn't doing anything wrong and that the, the videos were doctored and the Republicans voted based on those doctored videos. And I don't see Brian Williams going, well, I think this is the improper way to run a party on the Hill. And none of that shit. We're not seeing any of that shit. But if the Democrats investigate obvious, obvious, obvious crimes, crimes where there is copious amounts of evidence, uh, well, you know what? You want to play nice. You got to play nice with Trump because if you go after him, you're playing his game. And that is going to shame the Democrats out of doing anything about Donald Trump. So it's just like, I mean, besides they work on the old people. <laughs> I know. You know. I just don't see like, you know, uh, what's her name? Ocasio-Cortez. And, yeah. You know, these young people being like, yeah, you're right. You know, mm-hmm. we should just sit back and let them keep getting away and keep wrecking yeah. the place. No. We yep. have to keep living here. I mean, you people like Chuck Schubert, yeah, you're old. You're going to die. You're going to retire. You don't care. Like, you don't see, like, you don't, you're not, your skin's not in the game to the extent that ours is. People who may have yeah. 40 more years to live here. Well, the challenge is um, finding someone who can play Hill politics as well as God. I mean, we, we all have gripes about uh, Chuck Schumer and before him, Harry Reid. And I mean, I know some of us have gripes about Nancy Pelosi, but there's a reason they're, they're in leadership posts because they know every, Every corner, every in and out, every seam, every zipper, every detail, 
procedurally yeah. how to run things, and they don't always come out on top. But when they do, it's masterful. I mean, think Nancy Pelosi gets a lot of criticism, but you know what? Nancy Pelosi was almost more instrumental than Barack Obama in passing the Affordable Care Act and the stimulus. No, I, what was it? What she was like, "How's never for you, people?" When they were asking her to abandon. No, I met Nancy Pelosi. I shook her hand. I looked into her eyes. Me I too. saw her soul. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I was, I'm, I will always bet on Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. I mean, she might be too um, liberal for, for some people, moderates and conservative or uh, moderate Republicans, especially, but, uh, you know, as far as being politically savvy, as far as her overall reputation, I think a lot of, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is from Kathy Griffin's book about meeting famous people. Okay. And she got at a table for like some women in, you know, just a women's award banquet thing. I can't remember the society or foundation or charity. Yeah. She got at a, she was at a table between Nancy Pelosi mm-hmm. and Lana Del Rey. Wow. And she had said something about Lana Del Rey on one of those worst dressed things that she, and you know, they hand you the card, you read it on the air, <laughs> yeah. make the joke and you move on. But apparently Lana Del Rey was like just burning with resentment about it still. And and um, she's like, and all of a sudden, Nancy Pelosi begins to caucus us. She's like trying wow. to find common ground between me and Lana. She's like, no, Lana, you know, you know, let's be a good sport. And, and I was just like, even at an awards banquet when she's off duty. Yeah. You know, Pelosi's caucusing. Here's and, like, my people in line. Before we go to break, here's my Pelosi story, too, where okay. I, I was just I was so pleased and delighted by this. And I, I met Nancy Pelosi very briefly backstage at the sexy liberal show in San Francisco last year. Mm. And uh, and we, we had a we had a picture taken. It's the worst picture ever. And because we were backstage and there was a green light and it was dark. And so the, it's all grainy and mm. shitty looking. Right. But nevertheless, so I was talking to Nancy Pelosi and the first thing she said Oh, you live up in Santa Rosa, don't you? And I was like, "Yes. How did you know? How, you know, the 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 next speaker of the house knows where I live." And I was I was so pleased and delighted that she cared enough to who you to research and, and find out where yes. I live. Where I live, no one knew where I lived at that point. Yeah, no one was going, oh, hey, Bob, you're from Santa Rosa. Because I wasn't even talking publicly that I lived in Santa Rosa. I was saying, just generally speaking, the Bay Area. I was saying San Francisco uh, as sort of a central hub. Like now I say Washington, D.C., even though I don't literally live in Washington, D.C. But in that case, I wasn't telling anybody specifically what town I was living in. And she knew, and I was just, I was so impressed by that. And she didn't have to have that information because who the fuck am I? But she, she I want you to retell that story and Alex Jones's voice in a creeped out, like, how does she know where I live? Like, like she was threatening you, like, like a mafiosa. You You people are sick. You people are sick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. All right, one last break. We'll come back and wrap up the show right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. 
Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. All right, count along with me. One, two, one, two, three. Yeah, I can count. I know numbers. Welcome back to the show. The best numbers. <laughs> the very best numbers. The most tremendous numbers. Uh, all right, T-Rex is here. Um, you know, we need to... Here's what we need to do. We need to wrap Ruth Bader Ginsburg in bubble wrap and and yes. keep her in like one of those bouncy castles or something so that she's not around any sharp objects or hard surfaces. Uh, because good lord, if if she God ends up her. if she ends up going before Trump has left office or before uh, at least the Democrats win the Senate back in two years, which is very well, very if possible. We have, we have six months. Yeah. Or so before we enter the Republican window of we can't have a justice now we're too close to the presidential. Oh, election. that's true. That's right. The Mitch McConnell rule. I know. Yep. Yep. Which of course Mitch McConnell won't observe. Which he'll totally ignore. Be- <laughs> yeah, but let's yeah. just pretend maybe it'll make a difference. I don't know. Well, um, she she fell down in her office uh, at the Supreme Court and fractured three, three ribs, ribs on her left side. And you know what? If you've ever fractured a rib. It is not fun. It is not. Uh, I haven't, but I've heard it's hell. Oh, my God. I once fractured my sternum, like mounting a horse, believe it or not. Not, not, no, you sick, sick people. Not that way. I was (laughs) not in a Catherine the Great way. (laughs) Exactly right. I was climbing up into the saddle and lost my balance and my entire torso slipped. Did I come down on the hob? Yes, I did. Oh, right under my my like that, whatever that hard bone right is in the middle of your chest. It came down right on that and broke that that part of my body. And that I've had a cracked sternum from, you know, the CPR. In the oh, hospital yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's not fun and because you can't you can't mm-hmm. breathe. You can't laugh. You can't, you know, even the slightest move will just uh, send a, a, a tendrils Shock of pain of throughout pain. your body. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happened to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But three ribs, for God's sake, and she's 140. So, I mean, that's, I'm ready to donate some ribs. I'm take my rib. Take, I got take spares. <laughs> yeah, everyone on Twitter was like, yeah, she can have some of my ribs. I've got extras, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's just the outpouring, I think, of concern for keeping Ruth Bader Ginsburg healthy. Uh, is uh, is enormous right now. So, uh, but meanwhile, speaking of uh, of injuries, good lord, another mass shooting uh, in this country, <sighs> Thousand Oaks, California. This time, we we add the names uh, the the words Thousand Oaks to the list of uh, of places where there have been mass shootings. A, a tattoo, truly appalling thing. Yeah, is that there are people f- who survived the Vegas shooting? Yep, in the crowd at the club. Oh, like, no is, way. Really? Yes. Not oh, a lot of them, apparently, shit. but maybe like 10 or 12. Jesus it was a lot of people Christ. at the club. And they were, it's a country music night, and they're big country music fans. And, you know, they had gone, a lot of people had gone from that university to the concert. Oh, my in God. Vegas, which just, we survived multiple or mass shootings. It's just, what does it say about our culture that, like, yeah. 
It's oh, just, well, I'll just catch you at the next mass shooting. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I mean, a tattooed ex-Marine killed 12 people. A white. At, at a, white yeah. And a disaffected white, white person. Yeah. Yep. At a country music bar. Uh, he had PTSD. Uh, he's 28 years old. Terrified his mother and neighbors after returning from Afghanistan tour before he opened fire on a student night. His name is, uh, well, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, Here's the thing thing about these guys. This one thing they all have in common is they all have domestic violence in their past. They've all terrorized people in their own homes before they ever get out into the world. All of them, the guy that rammed the crowd in Charlottesville, the guys that drive the trucks into the crowds in Europe, they all – and so this is why we need a national domestic violence registry. Yep. Just like the sex offender registry. Mm-hmm. That if you've been convicted of domestic violence, you cannot own a firearm. Yep. You cannot be a cop. Yep. You cannot, you know, you. it's like we need to disincentivize it to the point because it's like there's a chain. It's a direct correlation we see now. Like, yep. oh, my God, how can we stop these people? We can stop them when they're just hurting people in mm-hmm. the home. Yep. Yep. And I'm off my soapbox. And Sorry. this guy, yeah, well, no, no, that's fine. This guy, uh, no AR 15 uh, in this one that I'm aware of. He was using a uh, 45 caliber handgun, which had an extended magazine. Well, so there's the thing. These extended magazines, goddammit. I mean, who, who do these people think they are uh, needing extended Rambo. magazines? Yeah, they just, I mean, we've had, I mean, this is all directly correlated to the, you know, film industry and our, our whole white grievance, like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really partly, I think it you can link this back ultimately, at least to a certain degree, to 9-11, to the militarization of this country following 9-11, where, um, you know, for example, we had all these grants, uh, Homeland Security grants that were developed in the wake of 9-11, mm-hmm. that all went to a lot of these local police forces, where they were able to get all of these, I mean, it was basically the militarization of the pro- police at that point, where they were getting uh, military-style vehicles. President and- Obama put a stop to Yep, yep, absolutely. And then the Jeff Sessions Justice Department reversed it. I, you know, oh, I wanted to be happy the day that Jeff Sessions was fired as attorney general. <laughs> I wanted to watch him go down in flames and cheer. Yeah. And instead, like I said, it's like a piece of the chandelier falling into your soup and making you realize that the ceiling is about to cave in. Well, that's how fucked up things are, David, because we're now afraid that Jeff Sessions was fired because of how it will affect the, the Russia investigation. It throws the whole goddamn thing into turmoil, and it is terrifying to know what Donald Trump may or may not do next. And he is capable. I mean, we've been saying this from the very beginning, that as this investigation gets more and more harrowing for him and more perilous, that he is going to get crazier and crazier. And we started to see that yesterday. We started to see the really crazy behavior where the gloves were off yesterday and he ordered a goddamn intern to accost a, a reporter in the White House press room or where the East Room that was, I guess. Do you think it was more extreme than the March 2017 press conference where he was so combative? Well, that he was just being a dick. This time he was really he was doing things that were damaging, I thought. Right. I mean, damaging to the First Amendment, damaging to the free free press clause of the First Amendment, especially um, damaging to the country talking about, I mean, threatening this quid pro quo as far as if they come after me, I'm going to send the Senate after them. Well, I wonder if you could play that game. <laughs> I wonder if he's consulted. Like, you are a messy queen, old man. <laughs> You are a messy old bitch. Just can't stand it. You're just like, oh, I can play that game. You, you, oh, I'll come and get you. Yeah. In fact, you know, uh, it's just like, ugh. 
Mitch McConnell uh, commented yesterday about whether or not the Senate is going to pursue the House with dueling investigations. And here's what Mitch McConnell had to say. Oh, this is wait. This is not Mitch McConnell. This is a this is a turtle fucking a, a croc, uh, a sandal. <laughs> It sounds the My same. Favorite thing in the world. Okay, um, but back to back to the the horrible <laughs> mass shooting. After we're done playing a, the sound of a turtle having sex with a sandal, um, this uh, this guy served in the Marines for five years between 2008 and 2013, during which time he was given ten medals and toured Afghanistan as a machine gunner. After leaving the Marines, he spent three years studying athletic training at California State University Northridge, but he dropped out in 2016. A college roommate of his said he was mean a loner and would often dance in their garage alone. And he killed himself on Wednesday in an office in the bar after killing 11 patrons and a sheriff's sergeant who responded. This is the second mass shooting in a row, by the way, in which the good guys with guns were actually shot. And, and after not shooting well, yeah. the actual perpetrator, that that's, that's kind of a thing. I think, uh, this guy had a Glock, he uh, he killed uh, 22-year-old Cody Kaufman, 23-year-old Justin Meek, after opening fire on the bouncer and then throwing smoke grenades among the crowds to confuse them as they tried to flee. Long then shot a sheriff God, sergeant. A bitch. Yeah. You know, it's just, God damn it. Yeah. I mean, this, you got problems. You hate your life. Commit suicide. But why? Why kill so many other people? Yeah. Yeah. He's just, uh, you know, it's it's hard to explain in these situations what might have motivated them because we no longer they're no longer alive, so it's not like you can't ask them. Cowardly son of a bitch! It just it makes me it just I, I I think about the families of the people who were killed, and I think about the video I saw of this guy this morning who was there and he was saying, you know, I'm 56, I've had a life, but the people who were he shot were just kids. Yeah, you just know, awful. I mean, especially, you know, I, I keep thinking about those people you mentioned uh, about uh, uh, you know, the survivors of the Las Vegas mass shooting. Also, they're in attendance at this other thing in, in Thousand Oaks. And, uh, I, I, you know, as, as someone who who has seemed to have been plagued by house fires and the potential of having all of my shit burned, uh, <laughs> you know, and that that kind of dark cloud following me around, I can kind of understand. But this guy, here's a picture of this guy um, in. uh in the Marines in Afghanistan in, in 2010 and 2011, where he's walking around, he's got a, he's got a little puppy in his uh, backpack, a little puppy mm-hmm. poke, a little cute puppy in his backpack. It looks like a normal guy, but of course the looks are absolutely dis- deceiving in this case. And I think a lot of ways, one of the repercussions of having a war that extends for 18 plus years is the fact that a lot of people just get really, you know, well, that you're fighting with a completely overtaxed group of reservists yeah. who were, you know, not expecting to deploy for years at a time. Yeah, I mean, and you're not supposed to. Yeah, you're not supposed to and be out no there doing that. And economic infrastructure mm-hmm. supporting their families back home. Right. It's just. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just what, what happens is 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 you're so conditioned to be in combat for years and years and years on end beyond what anyone is supposed to be able to endure. And then that uh, that breaks you, that damages you in some and way. In the I old imagine. days, I mean, when people we were we actually fought wars with our armies and not our reserves. Yeah. Um, before people went into combat, combat they got so much training, and the amount of training that people are getting before they go into combat now is so much less. And you know, the military industrial like contractor people are saying, well, you know, we have better technology; they don't need to be trained as well, but. I think that there's something about sending people with so little training into combat that 
they haven't had like the proper amount of time to learn to shield their like selves, their emotions yeah. from what they're doing. And it, I think that there's a higher incidence of PTSD, the less training soldiers have. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure there's science to back that up, but I don't have it in front of me. Well, right. And, and also, you know, usually at least prior to nine 11, we would send our military to war in these wars that that everyone would rally around. And we all were aware that there was a war going on. But, I mean, I think the wars that are happening now are happening in a way that they're not even in the headlines anymore, and, unless something terrible like this happens here domestically, where one of these soldiers comes back, and because of the damage that they've received, uh, you know, psychologically, physically, and otherwise, uh, they, they shoot up a, a nightclub or whatever, and uh, and that's only that's the only time we ever hear about it. And I think the the lack of public knowledge of this this endless war happening actually makes the soldiers fighting it feel like that they're on their own, like they're mm-hmm. they don't have the public backing them. You know, you you think prior to that, even in Vietnam, the public was well aware of what was going on during Vietnam. We all knew. I mean, during the the first Iraq War, it was all anyone was talking about for the duration of that war. But you get to a certain point, um, kind of, you know, maybe a year or two into the Obama administration and these wars, whether it was Iraq or Afghanistan and now, you know, the, the fight against ISIS and so on. These are things that are not headline stories. So it's just like there's the separation between the actual fights and the public awareness of those fights. And that makes a disconnect that I think is psychologically damaging to the people fighting those wars. They don't feel like they've got the American people that that sense of of obligation and that sense of um, patriotism that will Or fuel. even just that sense that people know we're here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly you right. Know, like if you go to the moon, everyone knows you're there and everyone's watching. And, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, or you like, you know, fight in Vietnam, the TV cameras were there every night. Yeah, right, um, right. But <sighs> yeah, Rachel Maddow wrote a book about that, you know, it's yep. called Drift. And it's actually yeah. like a really good book that I actually read. She, you know what? Divorce... About what? About divorce? What? How divorced we are from the war. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're constantly fighting and how it's just the families who keep sending their sons and daughters and grandkids and everybody over there that are fighting these wars. And it's just so far from our reality that it just, it's, it, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's just it. it. It is. It doesn't feel real to us anymore. And when that happens, there's just, uh, I, I guess there's a, a disconnect of energy between you know the home front and where the wars are taking place and that loss of the, that energy of the backing of the american people is uh is got to be hard got to be hard for these guys which you are now fighting a war as like a career move i mean that's what all these things are they're just you know once you're in this is your job and you do this until you're ready to retire or you're killed or wounded and you can't do it anymore it's awful i'm not i'm not trying to make create sympathy for this uh this guy who killed all these people in Thousand Oaks, by the way. I'm just saying that there's there's causality here, and I think we need to look at the causality on top of looking at uh, the ridiculousness of the availability of firearms in this country. Too many goddamn guns is the main problem. Yep, 100%. That is, I mean, you talk about the, uh, the things we were just talking about with regard to war, that's 5% of it. The rest of it is all the, the availability of firearms, our gun culture in this country, where... You know, we even talked about it leading up to the midterm election, where we have uh, politicians, elected Republicans, doing campaign ads in which they solve all of our problems 
with the issues by shooting the issue, by shooting the legislation, shooting Obamacare, shooting the tax code. This is how we solve problems in this country. We shoot at them. That's coming from people like Rand Paul, for God's sake. Ugh. All right, the postmortem show is coming up next on our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash show or patreon.com slash Chez. Either one of those links will still work, or you could just click the all-cap Patreon link just beneath the logo at bobseska.com and sign up. Why don't you? Go subscribe. Stop sucking. All right, more with the great T-Rex coming up next. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Somber, so somber.